Hello, and welcome to a special bonus episode of From the the Lower Lower Level. I'm Moshi. And I'm Patrizio, and we've made it, Moshi. We are breaking down part four of the Ruth Housewives of Beverly Hills Season 11 Reunion. What a season it has been. Marathon effort. This, like, people don't realise it, but I... This is a form of exercise. I know, right? And for, for, I mean, look, four parts, there's a lot of conjecture on the internet. Was it worth the four parts? Yes. Yeah, I think so too. I think there was like, um, there was a lot to unpack. And I think like if we had done it in two episodes as the people are wanting or the one hour special as I have also seen online, like, people would have been upset that it was too rushed, it didn't get into anything. Like, what do the people want? Yeah, and I think we've spoken about the pace of the episodes as well, having had some, like, I mean, they always have a structure, which is, you know, they always share a bit of the women and then there's discussion. But I think the pace of the Erica, Gerardi, Erica, Jane of it all, I think was really great. I think it was really nice that in the the final episode we kind of got a lightning-esque round of like questions where she needs to like address 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 and then um there are other bits of um accountability thrown in in relation to some of the other women I actually think that part four is my favorite of the reunion episodes um so far this is perfect well, before we get into breaking down this episode, um, I just want to give you the word on the streets. Oh, oh, you weren't expecting this, were you? Oh, I really wasn't. Well, the word is that Tom's house was broken into and he confronted the burglar. And then it rolled out, and then wow. Look, I'm under a lot of stress right now, but I think that was the last time I'm going to be able to do that. So I just wanted to get that in. I Look, I'm going to put it out there. It's definitely not going to be the last time that you're going to do that. I think that that sequence of that story, which is now definitely a meme, is going to be like the thing that unites housewives fans from all over the world. Like you'll just be out at dinner and somebody will just, like, say it at the table next to you, and then you two will look at each other, and you'll know. It's, like, going to be our, our new code, our new calling card. Um, if you <laughs> I really wasn't expecting that. I love it, though. It's a political point of view at this point. Like, mm-hmm. it is the mantra for the, the party that we are all running for. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And I think I was saying this to you earlier this week. It is... <sighs> Like, if I was on the crisis management team for Erica Jane, I would have made that merch and I would have been selling the fuck out of it and donating all of that money to the victims, to a fund for the victims, you know, because I think we all would have bought it. I think, I think, I want to say, I think that that's perhaps something that's a bit interesting about all of this is that as viewers, we have all taken a really specific side about this situation. And I guess like overall, like 
Erica has kind of gone this like very like stoic legal kind of angle and I'm really curious given that we all have sort of given her this judgment if she had set up like a fund for the alleged victims would you have donated would you have supported something like that Um, well, look, I, I let's, so let's get into it. Cause I think Erica on this, that is episode... a, I'm sorry, that is a yes or no question about you, not about the episode. I want to know, Patrizio, would, would you I have donated to her fund? Like, probably not. Interesting. Interesting. But what I was going to say was that like, you know, she does address the whole victim thing in this episode and how she is helping the victims and it's not through selling <laughs> and donations it's through fronting up and being completely transparent through the legal process about everything that she knows and you know whether she's giving the lawyers and the judges everything that they need well that's to be seen but that's how she's decided that she's going to help the victims Yes, but I think we can attest to the fact that she has used this reunion and obviously the show as well, but definitely the reunion as an opportunity to tell her side of the story to the court of public opinion and I guess get out all the kinks until she is potentially subpoenaed and asked to stand in court um, at a trial. Well, I mean, it also goes without saying that you don't have to wait to be subpoenaed. Like, you could be voluntarily submitting yes. to the trial and all the rest of it too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and in the same way, Bravo can hand over the tapes without having to be subpoenaed as well. Like, I think that's the better way to go around this, right? Because if you want to play this whole, oh, I'm victims by, you know, participating in the judicial process, then you would hope that she isn't waiting to be called, that she will front up instead ahead of time. So, again, I think, like, to be seen, like, I don't know, it's just (sighs) Erica Jane, an enigma wrapped in a riddle and no longer any cash. (laughs) So I'm curious, last week you said that any sort of uh, support that she'd gotten from the court of public opinion it disappeared last week. Do you think that after part four, it's back? I am back on the Erican train. Um, I think that she, she I, like, I believe everything that she said, I think. Um, it was compelling. It's extremely compelling. And, you know, I think at this stage for me, it's like, well... I think it's in her, like, her delivery and how she's interacted with the other women and her demeanour. I think that's what has ruined it for her. Um, Because I think had she come at this in a very different way, perhaps... Because that was, like, I feel like the crux of this episode was of this part of the reunion, that the women were asking her questions all season. And it was never a malicious question-asking, you know, process. It was always, like... We don't understand. We want to know more. We we don't we don't get the legal side of all of this. And perhaps Erica didn't understand it either. And like that but that would have been the answer. Instead, it was Erica constantly attacking the other women, yeah. coming for sudden. And like, you know, I think we've discussed this like so many times before. Like Erica should just be happy that sudden 
was asking it to her face because as we have seen throughout the season, everyone else is having conversations to the side. Mm-hmm. Everyone's having conversations before they all meet up all together and have a very different opinion or a very different approach as well until they meet Erica. Because, you know, Erica is an intimidating person, I think. And, you know, she's never been vulnerable the last, like, six years that we've known her on TV. She's never really opened up in that way. And all of a sudden this season she's asking us to completely change everything that we've thought about her, about her marriage, about her living circumstances. And it's hard to change in a period of three months after we've had six, seven seasons of Erica Jane, Erica Girardi, right? Right. So let's discuss how she does this in the reunion. It sort of picks up from um, Crystal asking her, you know, one of these questions as a friend, sort of asking, hey, um, are you angry at Tom? You know, a reasonable question perhaps. And Crystal is asking that from the perspective of that's not something she knows, she understands or she's unsure about. And we see Erica lash out at her at the reunion and and you know Andy calls it out and then we get into this discussion and she basically says that she just lashes out because she feels that the women don't have her best interests at heart and I think for me like I I probably would react kind of the same way I don't know if I would lash out I'd probably go the opposite way which is I would just double down and say nothing I would just like shut them cut them off um, as an avoidance tactic. Um, but this lashing out that she does, this way that she, I think we see it as well throughout the episode, anytime Sutton tries to get a word in, she suddenly raises her voice and she screams down at her. And it's an avoidance tactic. It's a way to not have to actually speak to the heart of the issue and kind of, I guess, own any part in it herself, like any accountability. Nobody's saying that she's done anything wrong, but we're just sort of asking you know, do you feel angry? And it's a yes or no question, but she takes this kind of a personal affront. I mean, do you think that that, do you think that that side of understanding why she lashes out in that way was resolved in this episode? Yeah. I, 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 and I think I understood it as well, but I think it was just that that wasn't the right technique to have, mm. you know, brought to the show um, because I think, people question like why are you so defensive like why are you on the attack like you know and obviously everyone you know is going to react differently and have a different way of expressing their feelings and all the rest of it as well but it was just sort of like you know I think it was just such a serious and like and again like there's never been an actual allegation that Erica was involved in this like massive fraud right sure she was you know, she was receiving funds as a result of it. Um, but, again, I'm sort of more comforted, I guess, in a way of understanding now that how her finances worked, how her relationship yeah. with Tom was, that I sort of understand now why she wouldn't perhaps have known everything. And I, I think you would have gotten hints. But, yeah, I, I just... I think she she explained herself, but I think it's also a little like too little, too late. I think you've yes. done the damage, and you know that's something else that the lawyers are going to look at, right? They're going to look at like how she portrayed herself through the season because it was a 
you know, an interesting decision to have made. And we didn't, she didn't know that all this was going to happen. Neither did we. And that's the other part of it too, that she kind of was like, pulled a divorce at the start of the season. And then all of a sudden Tom Girardi's a fraudster. True. So I think like two things that I want to take out of what you just said is number one, I mean, just sort of coming back to her lashing out and um, it's clear that sort of the women agree that like she didn't know all this sort of stuff but we she kind of addresses how she felt seeing Dorit and Kyle at that dinner and sort of addressing some of the comments perhaps that Sutton made that weren't to her face which I thought was quite fair because I think we've given Sutton a lot of credit for like getting amongst it and saying stuff when the other women wouldn't say anything but there was also a lot of stuff that Sutton didn't also say to her face and said behind her back but I thought it was also kind of good. I mean, and they bring up like the LA Times article of it all and all that sort of stuff. But I thought it was also kind of good to get a bit more of a timeline because I didn't realise that like coming back from the trip, the LA Times article and then meeting at Dorit's was all kind of like in the span of like 24, 48 hours or something. Um, And I thought that was really interesting because then when they sort of flash back to that scene, I started to sort of get a bit of context as well around okay at that point that's the way the women were and then they had questions and then I guess at Kyle's dinner I think it was it just like didn't go the right way and then everything sort of snowballed from there and I think also I think it's fair to say that Erica probably felt started to feel a specific way when she found out that they had all met up without her right and then I guess the second part of that is well, you know, Erica is mentioning it all. So the Bethany of it all, which is that, um, you know, you, you mentioned before that Erica didn't know that this stuff was going on, but she started to have suspicions about um, their financial situation while she was on Broadway doing Chicago, went to access her credit card, did not have the funds. But then, you know, Andy asks if anybody amongst the women had heard the rumours about possible Tom having possible financial trouble. And I think we know that, was it Camille and um, Lisa Vanderpump had spoken about this offline, that somebody amongst the current housewives did know about it and had spoken about it. Um, and I guess Andy and Kyle addressed that they had heard this rumour from one Bethany, right? Which was interesting because I feel like when originally like Camille and LVP came out, that I felt like there was a lot of denial that that conversation even happened. And then all of a sudden on the reunion, it was like, yes, there was a housewife who was a good friend of Kyle and Andy's who was going around talking about this. And like, and obviously Bethany, I think, also has come out after all this as well to say that she she knew what was going on yeah I mean I think Bethany um owned that she was the source but I think the people who were denying it like Kyle was denying that it was her because there's no way Bethany is telling LVP and telling Camille Grandma they've clearly heard it from Kyle which goes to show that Kyle was talking about it but not to Erica yeah, look, I'm I'm sure a lot of people in their circle were talking about it. And, and that's the other thing that, you know, I think when you're in 
Beverly Hills, I think there's a lot of shit that people talk mm-hmm. about you. And I think Erica was probably quick to dismiss those rumours. And if she was ever to have confronted Tom about hearing certain rumours, I'm sure he would have dismissed them as well. And so, you know, Erica perhaps was taking everything at face value. It wasn't probably until that moment um, when she was in New York for Broadway and her credit cards declined that perhaps there was sort of like, right, something's going on here. Um, but again, like what, okay, everyone knew that they were broke, but they didn't know that they were broke because Tom was stealing money from people and that that money was running out or that like he was, you know, completely misappropriating those funds. It's sort of like, because you can be bankrupt because you just spend all your cash on aeroplanes, mm. booze, gambling, whatever it is, right? So, you know, I think the accusation was just that they had no money, which Erica was yeah. to deny, but no one knew that it was the extent of what it was. Yeah. And speaking, I guess, of the money of it all, I thought it was quite good that, well, I there were some highlights for me in this from Erica because I would have done the exact same thing when Andy is asking her, you know, how does she, how is she paying for her glam still and all that sort of stuff? And she was like, well, you literally just said you pay me very, very well. Um, but then I thought the other side of it that was really fascinating is we got to the the root, I guess, of the LA stuff that was said in the, the LA Times article and then was subsequently, I guess, supposed to have been exposed on the, the court of public opinion, a.k.a. Instagram where it was said that $20 million was transferred to EJ Global. And she's just like, it never was. Like, she's, like, adamant and firm that it never was. And I think we just have to believe her. I mean, yeah, look, I I don't know. Maybe, Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. Maybe she wasn't aware of it. I mean, look, there's a lot of stuff that's like, I mean, even the credit cards, right? It was like $14 million on the credit cards, but she's like, yeah, but that was over the last like 10 years, whatever it is, right? Um, And then when you break down how much money that is per year, like, yeah, that's the average amount of, you know, that a housewife would spend on the credit card. I want to say that to me was probably one of the biggest revelations in the whole episode only because as much as Erica shows like as much of these women show a lot of wealth this isn't a show where they specifically say how much money things have cost like I don't really think I'll be really honest I don't really think it was until like Sutton came on that like they started to really point out the dollars more frequently like everything is always very subtle but to learn that on average, like, because she sort of said, it's not just me, it's all of these women. We spend about a minimum of $2 million a year to essentially give us the show. Um, I was like, oh, that's fascinating. I never would have thought it would have been like that much just on like their upkeep. You, did you, what did you think? Well, I mean, like, what do you put on your credit card? You could be putting up planning things on your credit card if she's putting, like, you know, utilities for the space that she's renting or whatever it is, right? So um, I, I think it was not surprising, though. I think $2 million, like, hope Dorito's got that money in the bank. like Honestly, but I, that's that's what I was more thinking about. I was like, because she's sort of saying, she, she alluded that it's all of them, and I'm like, 
Wow. Everybody spells, spends $2 million in different ways there. <laughs> like, I, that's what I mean. I was like, wow, there's definitely some people who I don't think are spending that kind of money. And I was trying to think, like, uh, some, not all of these women, I think, are, like, that rich. Like, I don't necessarily think Garcelle is spending that kind of money um, in a year on her upkeep and, and her boys and things like that. Um, I think the other side of it that was interesting around this money thing is to learn that, like, she's not bankrupt. Yeah. <laughs> if that makes any sense. Like, yeah. it's the law firm and Tom are bankrupt, but she is personally not bankrupt. I don't know. But, and then to, and then I guess the, the crux of it all is that, so, like, there's a lot of things I was thinking about is that, what's really happening is just she's they're able to sue her she's the one who's able to be sued and I was like that makes sense to me because America has like quite a lax kind of system around like basically you can sue anyone for anything at any time and I remembered I worked in an industry I may have mentioned this before where I had to facilitate in suing people often in a like blood getting stone kind of vibe. Is that a vibe? It's not a vibe. That's not something it's called vibe. a vibe. It's really not a vibe. But it was it was something that I had to do. And a lot of the time we did it, like people would do it just so that there is a judgment. And not necessarily because they they're going to get money from you, but it was more about like if there is an op- it was opportunistic is the way I would put it. And that's the thing. You you can literally go to court with anyone for anything. Like, at the end of the day, like, the judges are going to be the ones to decide if it's yeah. a bullshit case or not or if there's, you know, any validity or whatever it is, right? And, like, it's the same thing. People are going to go after Erica because they see that she is maintaining a lifestyle, that she was connected to Tom. And, uh, like, you know, she brought up a good point. It's sort of like, well, where does it stop? Do you start to try to get money back from the secretaries who, you know, have been paid a wage that's been funded off the back of um, this fraud? Um, you know, what about the the other, you know, what do they call them? The um, mistresses, you know, do we oh, need to get, like... The their... money from their ass. The money from their asses. And, um, you know, but the thing is, at the end of the day, Erica was married to this man. So I think there is a, you know, a greater legal. It's more tenable. Yeah, totally. Right. Um, But at the end of the day, usually, I mean, well, in Australia anyway, you would be suing the company. You wouldn't be suing like individuals, right? Um, You would be suing the LL. This all fits in, but you know, I'm sure Erica, you know, she'll come out of this okay. I don't think that she will probably go bankrupt either, but no. it's going to be hard to recover from regardless. Yeah. I thought, so in terms of like the lawsuit, the things that were really fascinating for me, well, actually I do want to say one thing that they asked her, because I guess it was really just Andy sort of like peltering her with questions and she did a really good job of answering them. Um, but, you know, the question that I guess I think we all were wondering is like would and I guess this is what we've been speculating about whether or not like she's like a narcissistic person so she knew this stuff was happening so she was like happy to you know that sort of personality puts themselves on these types of shows but she made it very clear that had she known about the amount of trouble she was in 
she never would have been on the show and that she never would have perhaps done a song like It's Expensive to Be Me. Like all of that has been about persona and it's all a bit of a joke. But at the same time, it's kind of the thing that's like bitten her on the ass because I think it is the thing that has made her more vulnerable. It is the thing that has made it possible for these for people to to sue her in a sense. Do you think? Well, I mean, like you can't help but think of Joe and Teresa Judice, right? Mm-hmm. And that Joe asked the question before they started filming, like, has anyone ever been like put in jail from one of these shows? And it's sort of like perhaps you shouldn't have gone on the show if you were like committing a fraud. <laughs> because as we've learned, like the IRS is the the like secondary character in all of these shows at this point, right? Yeah, the, and um, the feds. And the feds. And so, I, I mean, I, I believe what she was saying. I think, you know, she, she hadn't, and it keeps going back to this point. Like, I don't think she had any reason to believe that Tom was doing anything untoward. I mean, you got to remember, like, he was a lawyer, like, with the Aaron Brockovich case. Yes. Like, he was the hero. Like, I mean, that whole case is iconic like it's well known like Erica would not have thought for a minute that he was defrauding his own clients and so she was just you know showing a glamorous life and she was being able to finance it because the credit card wasn't getting declined until it was and um and again like I think I just want to go back to the point that like you know sure if the money was running dry I mean you can assume that's for many, many reasons, but to actually think that's because the fraud has failed at this point, like, you know. And I think Tom's mental acuity as well comes into question here as well, that obviously as he starts to sort of, you know, no longer be as present mentally, obviously that's when things start to unravel as well. Yeah. Um, there's just so much going on here. And, and I think that was the thing that was the hardest for everyone to understand. And, you know, you keep going back to how many times the cars have rolled from how many family members <laughs> that she has. And, like, it's just, it seems so, so crazy that these things have happened. But I think it's just unfortunate timing. I think, like, it's all happened at once. Um, you know, there's a lot of different factors that are bringing into it. And, you know, Erica is now having to pick up pieces, right? Yeah. Um, 100%. But it's just, yeah, I think it's about delivery at this point. I think it's about how you, you show up. And unfortunately, she just didn't give, she didn't give empathy for victims. She didn't give, like, sadness. And when she did, it felt, you know, manufactured. And she says that she didn't wear the the non-waterproof mascara on purpose, right? It just happened. It just happened because she has, like, you know, 10 makeup artists on on her Rolodex and she just happened to choose the one that doesn't know that she has an allergy to her eyes or whatever from makeup. Like, I don't know. It's just, again, it's wild. But you know what? I'm willing to give her the benefit of the doubt at this point and say she actually didn't know. I don't think she, like, was doing any of these things on purpose. But it's just it's been hard to come from the persona that we knew from Erica to now having to, you know, process all these things that are happening. True. I completely agree with all of that. And I think 
one of the things that Erica brought up, which I also think eventually kind of also bitter in the ass in terms of her behavior is that she called out and I guess Andy also called out that she felt that she was held to a different standard than some of the other ladies who've been in similar situations. You know, she calls out the fact that we never spoke about Dorit's lawsuits. And when that read came out, because Dorit is also the chihuahua in the corner who has all the ad libs, who wants to say all these little things, who wants to be relevant. Let's make you relevant, Dorit. Let's talk about your lawsuits. Um, I thought that was fucking brilliant. And then the other side of it was the like looking at what a monster Lisa Rinna has been over the years and that package. And the thing that uh, I, I really want to like sort of say, you know, um, Erica, obviously this is on a much bigger scale and she did come and she did address sort of everything. But I don't know if you noticed this in that little scene where Rinna talks, Rinna is asked about why she kind of has given Erica so much grace when she never gave anybody else this type of space. She, to me, she never fully answers that question. Instead, she deflects and she tries to quote unquote own her bad behavior by saying, you know, how much she regrets everything, but she never fully addresses why Erica is different. Like she never says, I like Erica, I didn't like those other people or never really gets to to just mentioning something. And I don't know whether or not you picked up on that and if you had any thoughts. Yeah, I think, you know, you definitely got the whole, like, let's talk about everyone that, you know, Lisa Rinna has ever loved to pick a problem with. And, no, she doesn't answer the question. And I, But I think, like, we're left to, you know, put these like puzzle pieces together right that the fact is she didn't like any of those other women that you know yeah kim kim came for her therefore she came for kim um you know denise richards i mean you know and and i think this was the thing that like it finally happened to someone that eric that lisa rinna liked being erica and she had to shut the fuck up like i don't know lisa rinna just like like, where is her friend contract? A hundred percent. Where is her friend contract? And I think aside from that, you know, we saw that clip where I guess Eric, um, I guess like Lisa Rinna over the years has made like a few kind of threats to people that seem a bit weird, but we, you know, there, there's the scene where um, that happened throughout the season at Kathy's house. I think it was at Kathy's house where Erica essentially makes a threat to Sutton um, and this is, you know, where I'm talking about, like, you know, the double standards again, um, where this time I was so glad that Andy actually brought this up, where she makes a threat to Sutton and basically tells her that she's coming for her. And I just want to know, Patrizio, does that just feel like slang to you? <laughs> well, I mean, like, and this is what did she mean by that? And what she meant, I think, is that, like, you know, for example, in Atlanta, you know, Kenya Moore would say, don't come for me unless I send for you, right? Like, it's, the, it's she's trying to invoke this whole, like... And can I tell you, that's the thing that I think, like, I think had she not brought up those other franchises, she would have been fine. She would have been fine. But I don't think she recalls 
how she said it to Sutton. And I, I personally believe that she, like I said, when we were watching that scene, I was like, this is pure theatrics. Like she's just being so aggressive. She's playing a character. She's so in this role and she's being threatening. Like I don't personally believe that she was ever going to cause Sutton any physical harm, but I do not believe that she meant it in the same way as if you come for me, I'll send Jesus for you. Like I do not think it was meant in that same way. I think if she could, she would find a way to, she would have found a way to ruin Sutton. Well, like, I was kind of glad to hear that that's what she meant to say. Like, it was sort of like, finally got this sort of like... You You believe it? Well, here's what I'm going to say. So, Erica is like trying not to break the fourth wall here because what she could have said in that moment was, if we believe the story, right? What she could have said is, well, next season when you're in the firing line, I'm going to, like, spare you no punches, right? But, you know, you can't say that on the show. Like, you know what I mean? You can't be like, well, when it's your storyline that's, like, fucked, I'm going to, like, really, like, press you on it. You know what I mean? So, like, it's just sort of like, if that's what she meant, she couldn't say that. But I, I agree. I think she said, I'm coming for you. I think she obviously meant that, in she meant it in whatever way she meant it and she said it and now she's kind of backpedaling a little bit and trying to like explain what she meant by it but I don't know did Sutton need a higher security after that like I I think that was also taking it a little bit too far like I think Erica's saying like I'll come for you but I don't think that like well unless Erica is like some like mafia boss (laughs) which I think is what she wanted to invoke though like I think she was trying to be hardcore I think as well Sutton is also just like clearly highly anxious person (laughs) suspicious of everything and everyone and like she was probably for that entire week just rolling her face the whole time oh the whole time I feel like rolling my face thinking about it but I guess the other side of that double standard is that nobody called out Erica or like any of these other women throughout the years for their bad behavior as bullying in the same way that they kind of aggressively went for Garcelle this year. Um, I think even just seeing Erica Jane call Sutton the C word in the reunion and, you know, what do we get is, you know, 20 minutes later, whatever it is we get, Andy laughing and telling her that she's a piece of work and that's something that's really funny. But she's literally just, like, abused Sutton at the reunion. She's uh, yelled at Crystal at the reunion even though she apologised. Like, these women do not want to be around her now. So to me, I'm just like, I don't know how they all come back from it. I I think next season is going to be interesting. I think um, it was interesting that she wanted to, like, you know, invoke these other franchises and try to, like, make a comparison because I I think it was almost, like, the wrong argument to make because I think in these other, like, franchises, like, Phaedra would have, like, would have been doing the backgrounding. Like, Sheree would have been doing the bone collecting. Like, it wouldn't have ended well for Erica. Mm -hmm. In Beverly Hills, they actually, although they were, like, okay, talking a bit behind her back, Um, But I don't think it was ever, like, malicious. And I think that they were always quite respectful of Erica. 
um, the fact that like no one's calling her out as a bully or, yep. or asking her to stand down in these extremely heated conversations. Um, I think, you know, Beverly Hills women actually gave her a lot of grace for her 100%. right? Which I don't think she would have been afforded on some of the other franchises. No, I think like she probably would have got slapped in the face for the way she screamed at people or she would have met her match and somebody else would have screamed her down. Like, I mean, I hate to like talk through to the stereotypes, but you know, it, it was quite clear to me that she had that prepared and she was going to bring it. But again, it backfired. It did not go well. Um, I guess the kind of thing that we should probably address as well is that, I mean, you mentioned it before that this is perhaps going to be the last time you can invoke the politicalness that is the car accident of it all, allegedly, and um, her son's involvement. But I was so glad that they actually asked her, like, so what the fuck actually happened? <laughs> Do you feel like you have more clarity on what actually happened in relation to Tom's accident? And then I guess she didn't want to go into the stuff about her son supporting Tom when the house was reportedly robbed. Well, and, and I think this story speaks more to that whole thing about like, having to change how we perceive Erica after this many seasons, right? Because she has the, the thing, and this is the thing, like Sutton calls, well, Sutton ever calls Erica a liar. But I think she says that there have been lies, but I don't think it's that there are lies. There are just a lot of like half truths. Yeah. There's a lot of like missing information. And this was the thing with this story that initially when this story came out on the show, it was, brushed away really quickly because we wanted to protect Tom and all the rest of it. Then as like, you know, is moving through this process, she starts to tell the truth, but it's not the whole truth. And then a little bit more information comes out. And then you sort of like sit there and you're like, well, like now this has happened, but you told us something before. And then there's a new piece of information. It was good to just finally get the whole story. And it's the story that Erica should have told from the beginning um and i think everyone said they were like okay like that's makes a lot more sense and you know i believe it i think obviously she doesn't tell the whole story because there's obviously still some questions perhaps around what her son was doing there or you know whatever it is right but yeah i'm i'm inclined to believe whatever whatever she said do you think that there is a difference between lying and playing someone's ass no <laughs> <laughs> It, there's something about that word right it's really interesting to me like I think Kathy Hilton also you know piped up in here she's like that the way they all were like you know lying is such a intense word you can't say that but I'm like bully is also one of those sorts of words um what was the um other sorry what was the situation with Crystal and Sutton it was um violate is also like this really huge word it's really interesting to me how afraid of words these women are and labels right you know Rina didn't want any any inference that she could possibly be racist coming up like I think that was one of my key takeaways is the the power that words have over these women and how much as much as they don't want to admit it like Erica was saying you know uh, Sutton is so worried about her own image they're all worried about their images and um, 
yeah, I mean, the other word that is obviously very important here is allegedly. And it was interesting to learn that Erica kind of got a slap on the wrist from the lawyers, which is why she had to come back with the allegedly. And um, I was really glad that she owned that. I think, you know, with the word liar, like, Erica has never liked it. You know, I think Teddy accused her of amnesia, like, and, and this this whole thing of, like, well, you're not telling the truth. Um, and I think there's a difference between, you know, not telling the truth and being a liar. Like, I think a liar is obviously perhaps the, the implication is that it's an ongoing, constant thing. Like, you're a, like a pathological liar, right? Yeah. Um, but I think Erica would definitely be more sensitive sensitive to it this season because I think if you come across as a liar and you're about to go into the court system that doesn't bode well right it doesn't bode well that you lie about things all the time because then a jury or the judge is going to sit there and start to wonder like exactly what, what was truthful if you're saying that you didn't know this at all but these women who know you really well say that you're a liar um you know, obviously that's not good. Um, well, I- apparently the thing is the person who was calling her a liar didn't know her really well, right? Um, I guess like I, so I guess sort of like in terms of the crux of this reunion, that was it. Erica kind of answered all these questions and she kind of redeemed herself. Was there any housewives who you think like gave us a poor effort over these these uh, three four parts, was there any housewives who like, you know, didn't didn't really hit the mark? Because I I'm a bit disappointed. I think with like Crystal and with Sutton. Look, I think Crystal was extremely quiet. I think when Erica also like told her, I think that's when Crystal really like shut the fuck up. She shut down, didn't she? Like that was it. Like she was checked out. She shut Um, down and checked out. I was, I caught that. Um, well, but look, this whole season, unfortunately it has been an Erica season. I mean, Lisa Rinna, like why are you there? Doritos just given ad lib, like Kyle's in the, in the hot seat, but like, what does she really bring? I think Garcelle had a lot to offer for this reunion. And it was interesting because I don't know if you caught it this way, but on Watch What Happens Live, um, they showed this scene that got cut uh, from the reunion. Oh, okay. Um, and it's an argument that Erica and Garcelle get into um, from Kathy's dinner party. And Garcelle's kind of like, well, if it was me, I probably would have left the table, like, if I was you. And Erica's like, what, you just would have left? You would have been forced off? Like, you would have, like, just given up? And Garcelle's like, well, like, this is me. Like, I'm just saying what I would do. Like, I would have gone to the other room and just taken a moment to, like, you know, compose myself or whatever it is. She's just like, and Erica just was really, really forceful with her. Um, And it was interesting that, like, I don't know, possibly didn't make the reunion because it wasn't like part of I guess this whole like larger story that we're telling but um it was sort of like why are we getting like the Lisa Rinna and you know Scott Disick storyline in the reunion but we're not getting this moment which seemed a little bit on on my scale anyway a bit more important right I agree with that I I do want to say though I did like obviously um I do like that 
Rina was kind of held to accountability in, I guess she, she has been this, like we learn as well, sorry, I didn't even touch on this, that she was feeding Erica information throughout the season, like letting her know when the girls had turned, letting her know what was being said behind her back. Rina was like stoking the fire a little bit behind the scenes that we didn't see. And like, I guess kind of pumping up Erica and not, calling Erica out on her bad behavior as well to me Rina really is a toxic friend I guess she's good for television but I just think this situation is too real to kind of you know like it's just the the variables are just too broad on how this could go and truly truly affect someone's entire life not in a joking way, but have like a really long lasting effect, you know? So to me, I'm just like, she's still a monster. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, that Lisa Rina was feeding her information. Like, I didn't know to, to that extent. Like, I didn't realize that, you know, before every, all of these parties, like, Lisa has fueled her. Lisa, she's, Erica is coming into every event already with the chip on her shoulder. And when you're feeding that chip, it is getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And as a friend, like you need to be rallying around your, your friend and saying, hey, you lashed out at that last party. You need to be putting, getting them in a position to help them show the best side of themselves. And she was not supporting Erica. I think, I don't think it was so much that she let the other women down. I think she let Erica down by kind of encouraging Eric encouraging Erica to behave that way and not telling Erica the way that she's behaving isn't right because it sounds to me like Erica's the only person Erica was truly trusting out of any of these women was Rinna and I think Rinna potentially led Erica astray a little bit and I think she did it for the television I think she did it because she you know obviously she she's known for fostering the drama yeah, but I think as well, Lisa Rinna would also kind of be like the woman that's like, you do you. Like, you, if this is how you want to that's, do it. That's a cop out. That, I mean, I'm agreeing with you that that's exactly how she would behave. But I, and that's the issue that I'm saying. That's the problem. That's the thing that I'm saying is the problem. That is a cop out. That is like a way to not be accountable for your part in anything. <sighs> Look, Lisa fucking Rinna. Anyway, uh, <laughs> look, uh, but look, I think uh, of all these women, like maybe is disappointed the right word here. The, the fact is, we were all rooting for you, Sutton. We mm-hmm. all were like, she was robbed. Why wasn't she given the seat next to Andy? How did Kyle get it instead? Um, but Sutton gave us a whole lot of nothing and she was a bit of a filler housewife in this reunion. Again, I think it was hard to really be a part of this reunion because it was so Erica heavy. And I think there were so many questions and not even about like the son and, and Erica relationship, just about Erica and her legal like situation at the moment. And like all these unanswered questions that we've had all season that Sutton was trying to get answers to, but um I think it's like two-sided, right? It's sort of like, well, after having such a strong season, you then came to the reunion and didn't even get into it. But at the same time, it was kind of like, I think this is like the Southern the southern Belle that Sutton is and that like 
Erica's literally screaming at her and calling her yep. the C word. And Sutton just sits there and takes it because I think Sutton knows that, like, number one, there's no point trying to, like, go toe-to-toe with Erica. And two, it's like, dig your own grave, girl. Like, keep screaming at me. Keep, like, you know, keep showing your ass on this show. Like, Sutton doesn't need to do anything at this point um, to influence everyone's opinion on Erica. I agree with you, but I think from a – and I have, a like, a different perspective because I'm reading this Not All Diamonds and Rosé book – but I think it's come to be known, like, if you can't hold your own, like, you know, Erica acts this way partly because it is on television. It's entertaining. It's what people want to see. And I think if you kind of skirt back and don't bring it, I understand, like, there's a persona that, that Sutton is trying to show. But I think Sutton showed us that she's really great in a confessional when she she isn't in a confrontational position but that she's not able to to kind of take like to go up against someone and back stand up for herself and it's just it's just a shame I guess that's also just her personality and that's okay but it was also her first reunion so I'm going to give Sutton Grace I think you know it was her first reunion live and I think that that is that is a hard thing as well. I think, I, like, reading a lot of women never fully understand how insane the reunions are. And I think she's going to go away. She's going to watch it. And I think, you know, she'll come back next season um, bigger and better than ever. Um, but one other conflict that I wasn't even aware that I needed and that I loved was <laughs> apparently the issue between... Uh, Kathy and Garcelle. Kathy Hilton apologizing to Garcelle. And that Garcelle's name was what was on the quote unquote receipts that Kathy had brought. I mean, this was the feud that we were being resolve on all season. Why Kathy decided to blank Garcelle at her beautiful dinner party. Um, and the way that we didn't even really find out, like, why Kathy didn't go, she kind of, like, did that telepathic thing again because she was kind of like, and, you know, I had the three-day thing and they said that I couldn't come and I really wanted to. It's sort of like, <laughs> like, but I understood it. Can't you speak, Kathy Hilton? Well, I can now. I mean, I understood it also, but it was just, it was just funny to watch, like, I mean, look, Kathy Hilton, like, she was also applying lipstick as questions, the tough questions were being asked of Erica. Yeah. Like, this woman is, she was just there at the end, because, like, it's not normal for, like, the friend of to last this long, <laughs> like, on a reunion either. Normally they bring them in, like, halfway through, and then they get rid of them before, like, the closeout as well. So clearly way that like Kathy Hilton was there just because she had her receipt that she needed to address in the last <laughs> final moments of this reunion like it's she's just doing her own thing at this point not just that but the way she manages to steal the whole show the whole show with just a two-second tidbit and it was amazing um the fact that like, we need to talk about Kathy Hilton's influence just to wrap this up. I guess the fact that the set decor was designed around her house, the fact that she was a friend of who stayed for the whole thing, because let's be honest, they're not going to ask Kathy Hilton to leave. 
all of her little, you know, when she scoffed in the background, all her nose noises, the applying lipstick, and then like literally closing out with this scene with Garcelle. And then we're wrapping it up with her butlers on set, Carlos and Patrick. And with the classic martini. We are doing bottoms up, Patrizio. Bottoms up to you on um, another amazing round of reunion roundups. I think this is definitely a reunion that's going to go down in the history books of uh, Bravo and House and the Housewives canon. How do you feel overall about the Beverly Hills season? I mean, we lived it in real time. We watched it play back. Um, you know, out of ten, out of ten, I think it's a nine. Like, you know what? I'm actually yes. sad yeah. to see it go. Like, I'm sort yeah. of like, I need more. Um, I need more. And I don't often have this feeling at the end of a season. Um, so I think it was successful. It was a successful season. It was a successful season. I am also going to give it nine martini glasses and a huge bottoms up. Um, Is there anything else that you wanted to add before we wrap up? Look, it just came to me earlier um, while you were speaking, but I just was thinking about security to follow her around for a week after (laughs) Erica's comments. The way that Sunna didn't bring security to this reunion. like Yeah, Giselle style. There should have been Giselle? big bouncer in big boy. Background. Isn't that what they called him? Big boy. <laughs> no, I think that's what they called um Chris Samuels. But um, oh, true. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but that's like that would have been that that would have solidified Sutton's like position. I think at this reunion would have been to have the bodyguard on the side, ready to pounce because Sutton is just so, like, she's a kooky character, as much as Cappy Hilton is as well. Like, Sutton is very special. True. Well, I think that's it. I think we've done it. I think we've wrapped up Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Well, Marshy... Don't worry, because, like, next week we have a whole new reunion part to get through, Potomac. Potomac, another four-part reunion. The way we are just having, like, we've had the month, oh, we've had Beverly Hills reunion month, and we are now going into Potomac reunion month. I suspect that it probably won't be as compelling as Beverly Hills was, but, yeah, it'll be interesting. And clearly not having a New York reunion meant extra time in the slots to fill in. True. So True. that's why we are getting 1,200 parts for this reunion. <laughs> anyway, with that said, there's nobody else I would rather be discussing the Beverly Hills reunion with. Thank you for just some great chats. Thank you, Moshi. And we'll be back to do it all again next week. Until then, bye. Bye.